This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Iza jaa nasrullahi wal fatih. Waraaytan nasa yadukhuluna fi deenillahi afwaja. فسبح بحمد ربك واستغفره إنه كان توابا الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين اللهم اجعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين We'll begin uh, inshallah ta'ala our dars of إذا جاء نصر الله الفتح We'll begin with the word جاءه I did talk to you a little bit about before the Maghrib prayer about the difference between id and idha. So we've covered that a little bit already. So we're looking at the word ja'a. A similar word in Arabic is the word ata. So ja'a means to come. Ata also means to come. So what's the difference between them? We'll read some commentary. Al-Qur'anul Kareem yasta'amilu ata lamma huwa aysar min ja'a. The Qur'an uses the word ata. It is easier and softer in connotation than the word ja'a. يَعْنِ الْمَجِيءِ فِيهِ صُعُوبَةِ بِالنِّسْبَةِ لِأَتَى In other words, the word ja'a is stronger and it's tougher, it's heavier in connotation than the word ata. وَلِذَلِكْ يَكَادْ يَكُونُ هَذَا طَابِعٌ عَامٌ فِي الْقُرْآنِ الْكَرِيمِ وَلِذَلِكْ لَمْ يَأْتِ فِي الْجَاءَ بِالْمُضَالِعِ And this is why the word ata ya'ti is also more fluid because you can conjugate it. In other words, it comes in past tense, it comes in present tense, you know, even in a mustar form. But the word ja'a is only found in the past tense even when you refer to something in the future. You don't say yaji'u, you just say ja'a. It only occurs in that tense. Uh, then the other thing is قَالَ تَعَالَى فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الصَّاخَةِ You know, الصَّاخَةِ The heavy coming When it arrives, جَاءَ is used something, It's not used for something light Similarly, فَشَدِيدَةِ فَإِذَا جَاءَتِ الطَّامَةُ الْكُبْرَى Something big also, again, جَاءَ is used Similarly, Allah Azza wa Jalla says In this surah إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ It's not something small that came the help of Allah is not something small. So the word ata is not appropriate here. The word ja'a is part of the perfection of Qur'an. هذا أمر عظيم هذا نصر لا يأتي بسهولة First of all, this is a huge matter. This is not something that came easily. The help of Allah did not just arrive one day out of nowhere. You know, وَإِنَّمَا حُرُوبَ مَعَارِكَ It came after a lot of battles. It came a lot years of da'wah and sweat and struggle. Then finally the help of Allah Azza wa Jal arrived. So, so it's not something small. We'll see why also ja'a is important because Allah didn't just say, إِذَا جَاءَ النَّصْرِ وَلَكِنَّهُ قَالْ إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ فَأَضَافَ النَّصْرِ إِلَى اللَّهِ So he, he added the word Allah to the word nasr, making it even heavier. And the adding the word Allah, we'll, we'll look at the benefits in a second, but let's explore the word Nasr a little more. So that was a little about Aja'a, what came, when it came. But now the word help itself. The word Nasr in Arabic, the, the literal definition, if you want to go for a simple definition, Al-Aun. مَأْخُوذ مِنْ قَوْلِهِمْ قَدْ نَصَرَ الْغَيْثُ الْأَرْضِ This is, the, literally the word means a lot of help. And it's used, for example, when the earth is dried up and it's not producing any vegetation, and then the help, the, the rain comes. So they say the rain did nasr for the earth, meaning it brought it to life, it relieved it of its suffering and its dryness. That's how it's used. In other words. But there are other Arabic words in the Quran itself, like Abdurrahman Kilani in his uh, famous Mutaradifatul Quran. He wrote a book of synonyms in the Quran. He tells us. All the different words in Arabic that are used for help. Aana, istaana, ayyada, azzara, azzaza, zahara, rafada, 
Ama, you know, uh, even Amada or Amadda rather. All these different words are used for helping. But each of these words has their own flavor. So what specific kind of help is Nasr? What specific kind of help is Nasr? By the way, a different word for help we use in the Fatiha. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. We don't say nastansir, we say nasta'in. Okay, because that's am, it's more general. All kinds of help, nasta'in. But this is a very particular kind of help. Nasr in Arabic actually refers to help against an oppressor. Help against, you know, if you're in some serious trouble, then you don't need awn, you need nasr. You need nasr. So it's help against an oppressor, help against affliction, help when an army is being defeated, not something small. Nasr is not a small kind of help. Like if you have a flat tire, you're not asking for nasr. Right? That's just some musa'ada, some help. But it's not nasr. But when, for example, a country calls on another country for additional military support or something like that, you would have to call that nasr. Because it's very big, it's very heavy. Similarly, the word nasr is not used except except when it's meant to overpower someone else. In other words, you're helping someone against someone else. And there's one thing to help someone, but it's another to help someone fight, fight off someone else. And that's when there's another party involved that you're gonna fight against, or you're gonna go against, then the word Nasr is used. Now, let's look at the word Allah. What, Allah didn't just say Nasr came, He said Nasrullah came, right? The, the, the aid, the tremendous aid of Allah came. So what, why, by adding the word Allah, what benefits does it have? For example, first of all, ta'zeeman lin-nasr. It's not just any help now, it's some amazing help. And the, old, the description of that help is that it's Allah's help. Allah could have said nasran azeeman, like you know for fath, He said fatham mubina. Inna fatahna laka fatham mubina. He described the fath as a clear and open victory. Or, or success can be described as great success. Thalika huwa al-fawzul azeem. It's great success. But here Allah didn't just say help, He said the help of Allah, of Allah. Now that adding of the of Allah, it magnifies this help. What it does is a few things. First of all, there are there other things that Allah created and He talks about in the Qur'an where He added Himself like that, He did. For example, Allah talks about the she-camel that was sent to Salih salam. He doesn't just call it an-naqah, He says naqatullah. Right? فَقَالَ لَهُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Allah. The she-camel of Allah. So the, the word Allah was attributed, that it's, it belongs to Allah. Similarly, وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا الْحُطَمَةِ نَارُ اللَّهِ الْمُوْقَدَةِ The fire of Allah. Now when that, the word Allah is added in that way, you know what that means? That, that whatever that thing is, you know fire can be compared to any fire. A camel can be compared to any camel. But when you add the camel of Allah, or the fire of Allah, that is a kind of fire that can never be compared to any fire. That is a kind of camel that will never be compared to any camel. So when he says Nasrullah, what does that mean? It's the kind of help that will never be comparable. There will be no help in human history that will ever be able to compare with the help Allah gave His Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Ida jaa Nasrullah. The word Allah does has has these benefits embedded inside of it. The second benefit here is in the previous surah, in Surah Al-Kafirun, right before this surah, the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was given a very clear, very clear commandment. You know, the kuffar came and they were trying to make some kind of compromise. Why don't you follow our religion for one year and we'll follow your religion for one year, everybody will be happy. So they're trying to make a deal because they were tired of the da'wah and they're not getting rid of him and they can't argue back with him. So they came up with this deal basically, right? So now the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is told, they're thinking that they're making deals with you? 
You're not the one they're dealing with. Who are they making deals with? Allah, so the surah didn't even begin, Ya ayyuhal kafirun, began, Qul, Ya ayyuhal kafirun. You tell them, kafirun. In other words, the surah begins telling them, I'm not even speaking on my own behalf. I'm being told to tell you, you're kafirun. And I'm ne- there's no compromise. There's no compromise. And by the way, when the messenger was making his own decisions, even before Risala came, before Risala came, وسلم, when he was making his own decisions, even then he didn't compromise. So how is it possible that after he becomes a messenger, he's going to compromise? That's not even possible. What I'm trying to get at though is in the previous surah, the doors to compromise were closed because it was told that this man is not bringing you a message from himself. He's bringing a message from Allah and there's no room for compromise there. This surah goes further to say, not only is he not going to compromise with you, but by the way, he doesn't have to compromise with you because they think, they're thinking, you know, he's weak, he's by himself. He's going to have to compromise, he's going to play ball a little bit, you know. What support does he have? This surah comes along and says, no, you know, here's another reason he's not going to compromise with you. He's got the help of Allah on his side. What do you have on your side that compares? You know, on this note, I want to share with you something very powerful. There are places in the Qur'an where Allah Azza wa Jal talks about a contrast, a comparison between believers and disbelievers. Allah Azza wa Jal for example says, Allahu waliyu alladhina amanu yukhrijuhum min al-dhulumati ila al-nur. Right? Walladhina kafaru awliya'uhum al-taghut fil Right? He says that Allah is the, the protective friend of those who believe. He brings them out of darkness into light. Allah calls himself wali. Allah calls himself wali. Wali means a, a, a friend who wants to protect you. In other words, in English I'm saying protective friend. Protective friend. And when it came to the kuffar, what did he say? وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا أَوْلِيَاؤُهُمْ الطَّاغُوتِ The kuffar, the disbelievers, they also have protective friends. But who are they? الطَّاغُوتِ Those who want to rebel. The, the, the exceedingly rebellious against Allah are their awliya. Awliya is the plural of wali. Wali, once again, I want you to remember means protective friend. What that means in simple terms, a friend who wants to protect you. Now, that's the word wali. There's another word in the Quran, and that word is mawla. There's the word wali in Arabic, what's the other word? Mawla. Mawla in Arabic means a protecting friend. Mimualat. A protecting friend. So there's a protective friend, and there's a protecting friend. What's the difference? A protective friend has the intention of protecting you, wants to protect you, is protective of you, has that feeling. But a protecting friend is actually engaged in protecting you. He's, he doesn't just have a feeling, doesn't just want to, he's actually doing it too. Now look at this comparison in Surah Muhammad. Allah Azza wa Jal says, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ مَوْلَى الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا That is because Allah is the mawla of الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا of those who believe. Allah is the wali of believers and also their mawla, both. Now who was the wali of the kuffar, you remember? At-taghut. Let's see who their mawla is, who's protecting them. وَأَنَّ الْكَافِرِينَ لَا مَوْلَى لَهُمْ And as far as disbelievers are concerned, they have no mawla whatsoever. They have no mawla. They have wali, but they don't have mawla. They may, they may have something who, someone who wants to protect them, but they actually have nobody physically protecting them. They have no protection against Allah Azza wa Jal. There's no one there. So when this surah, when the help of Allah comes, it becomes abundantly clear why the messenger is in no need. Is, in, is not interested in any way, shape, or form for any kind of compromise. This is the kind of guarantee that was given to Musa salam. He has to go talk to Fir'aun. That's not a small task. You know, you go talk to a king, 
And a king, you know, it's not like in this, you know, in, in modern societies where you have rule of law and you have, you know, arrest him and take him to court and there'll be a proceeding. The king is the law. He can tell, kill him right now, kill him right now. There's no questions asked. And Fir'aun, he loves saying, kill them. I mean, he kills babies for God's sake. He's a genocidal maniac. And Musa is to go talk to him, not just talk to him. Not, you know, it's one thing to go and say, how's it going, Fir'aun? How's it been? Long time. <laughs> you know, make small talk. What does he have to do? He has to go directly challenge him publicly. So you know one of the fears, and on top of that, Musa السلام, has got a murder, you know, on his uh, rap sheet. What did Allah tell him? Kalla. Don't worry about it. They're not gonna kill you. They're not gonna kill you. Allah gave him a guarantee. Because Musa السلام, had a guarantee, he could go talk there, there's no need for him to compromise, there's no need for him to back down. He could say whatever he has to say without thinking twice about it. Because he has what with him? The guarantee from Allah, not a problem. Nothing will happen. Kalla. فَذْهَبَ بِآيَاتِنَا إِنَّا مَعَكُمْ مُسْتَمِعُونَ SubhanAllah. This is the guarantee Muhammad wasallam has been given in this surah. So not only this surah is making it clear, therefore the previous surah made clear that he is the recipient of Allah's message in the word قُلْ. This surah makes clear not only does he receive Allah's message, he is also the recipient of Allah's help. Now this surah also happens to be by some commentary the response to a challenge in the Qur'an. The response rather to a complaint in the Qur'an. Am man jannah? Allah asked believers, have you assumed you're just going to enter Jannah just like that? And the things that happened to the people before you didn't happen to you yet. The problems they suffered, you haven't suffered them yet. You think you're just going to walk into Jannah? And then he says, They were, they were touched with, dif- with difficulty and extreme harsh conditions and the ground beneath their feet was shaken until even the messenger who was with them and those who believed with him what did they say? when is the help of Allah coming? meaning there were people before who were with their messenger and they delivered the message and they were tortured and persecuted and put in such difficult conditions that even the messenger, the words came out of a messenger's mouth. When is Allah's help coming? And Allah responded, Allah, you had better know, inna nasrallahi qareeb. No doubt about it, the help of Allah is near. The help of Allah is near. And this surah seems to respond with a guarantee. إِذَا جَاءَ النَّصْرُ وَالْفَتْحِ So there he said it's near and here it came, subhanAllah. Then additionally, this is, you know, the word Nasr in Arabic, you know, any word in Arabic because of morphology, because of how you can change words, can be used in different forms. It can be used as a verb, it can be used as a noun, right? So for example, in the occasion of Badr, Allah used the word Nasr as a verb. He said, وَلَقَدْ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ بِبَدْرٍ Allah aided you at the occasion of Badr. وَأَنْتُمْ أَذِلَّهِ And you were powerless. You were pathetic by yourselves. Allah is the one who gave you aid at the occasion of Badr. This ayah occurs in Ali Imran. But there the word Nasr is used in verb form. Now in Arabic linguistics, the verb is considered weaker and the noun is considered stronger. Allah aided the believers at Badr but he used a verb which is the weaker form. But when the complete help came, the complete help after which there's no more, you know, the case is closed complete. after Badr the case is not closed. The case is still open. But after this victory, after the conquest of Mecca, the case is closed. It's done. It's finished. It's not, there's no more Quraysh <coughs> to battle with. That, that chapter is finished. So then the noun was used, the, for, the stronger version is used, Nasr. إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْر He didn't just say, إِذَا نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهِ بِبَدْ You know, وَالْفَتْحِ So here, um, 
uh, the, the, the noun form being used actually alludes to the stronger help from Allah Azza wa Jal. Then we find another correlation with something Allah had said before. Allah had said, If Allah decides to help you, if Allah brings His help, then there is absolutely no one who will be able, able to overpower you. That will become impossible. And that is exactly what Allah did. He delivered Nasr, but also with it, what's the next word after Idaja Anasullah? Well, Fath. That word Fath will make it clear why it's impossible for anyone to overcome once again. Then also in this, you know, this is something where uh, we, we fall into this sometimes. You know how they talk about the 100 most influential men and they put the Rasul as number one? You know, we, we take pride in that and stuff. And they talk about his military conquests and how he was a great leader and all of that. And we agree, except there's one problem. When it came to victory and the help, Allah Azza wa Jal took the credit himself. He took the credit himself. And this is what he's teaching us in this surah. When the victory came, the kafir will give credit to who? Oh, Muhammad won. Right? Because they won't even say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we do. Right? But when we hear about the help, who do we give credit to? We give credit to Allah Azza wa Jal. That the Messenger gave his help, that Allah gave his help to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ And by the way, if the credit goes to Allah, then the thanks should also go to Allah Azza wa Jal. The thanks should go to Allah. So it's only natural that at the end of the surah, we are taught to thank Allah and to make dhikr of Him. فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ it's only natural. If he's the one who's the cause of the victory, then he should be the one we should be making hamd of. Then, another very important concept when it comes to this Nasr. إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ هَلْ أَدُلُّكُمْ Allah says in Surah Al-Saf هَلْ أَدُلُّكُمْ عَلَىٰ تِجَارَةٍ تُنْجِيكُمْ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Should I tell you about a trade that will rescue you from a painful punishment? Allah makes an offer to the believers. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Those of you who claim to believe, should I tell you of a trade that will save you, that will rescue you from a painful punishment? تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ That you should believe in Allah and His Messenger. وَتُجَاهِدُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ بِأَمْوَالِكُمْ وَأَنفُسِكُمْ That you should make jihad, make struggle as much as you can, and also includes fight in the path of Allah with your monies and yourselves. ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ That would be better for you, in كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ If you in fact knew. And the ayah goes on to say, what additional things should we, should we give you? يَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Not only will He give you Jannah, He will cover your sins. وَيُدْخِلْكُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ Enter you into gardens, you've heard these ayahs many times before. He'll enter you into gardens at the foots of which rivers are flowing. After all of this, He says something very interesting. <coughs> he says, وَأُخْرَى تُحِبُّونَهَا And additionally, you would love something. نَصْرٌ جزاك الله خيرا. I got it, I was holding on to it. وَأُخْرَى تُحِبُّونَهَا And additionally you would love Now what would you love in addition? نَصْرٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَفَتْحٌ قَرِيبٌ نَصْرٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَفَتْحٌ قَرِيبٌ That amazed, a great help should come from Allah Or some help should come from Allah And that victory should be near Now it's a very interesting passage in Surah Al-Saf On the one hand Allah says Let me tell you what you should get Should I give you a deal? And here's what I'm offering you You do this for me Iman and jihad, you do these two things for me, and what, should, what will you get? You'll get jannah, you'll get forgiveness. And then after giving us that, he says, but by the way, you're also interested in something more. Secondarily, ukhra, secondarily, you know what, what else you want? You want the help from Allah in this dunya, and you want victory also in this dunya. So the believers are being told, you want jannah, but you also want victory, but which one was first? 
Allah put the, the quest for paradise first. The quest for forgiveness from Allah first. سَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ the, the Sahaba are running in battle towards victory and Allah tells them, no, you're not running towards victory, you're running towards your forgiveness. سَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ SubhanAllah Because it's a different perspective. So the, the victory of this world, nonetheless, we, we, want the, we want Allah's paradise, but it's a desire in every believer's heart that they should see the victory of Islam on this earth too. <coughs> they should see that victory. The Sahaba have that desire in their hearts. But it's not primary, it should be, it should be secondary. Now, this is the concept that we have to be very, very clear about. This help of Allah when it came, it means both things. It means Allah Azza wa Jal has completed the mission for Rasulullah The help of Allah came, meaning not only the help of Allah in conquering, conquering Mecca, the help of Allah in letting the Messenger finish his mission وسلم, And that means that he has been, he is successful as far as Allah is concerned. That's a bigger concern for the Messenger. Getting Makkah conquered and getting the victory of Islam on this earth is a secondary thing compared to him fulfilling his mission that Allah has charged him with So that help from Allah came. <coughs> but there also the same two words were used. Nasrum min Allah wa fathun qareeb. Here, idha ja'a nasrullahi wal fath. But here what I wanted to highlight is the difference between nasrum min Allah and nasrullah. In Surah Al-Saf we read, nasrum min Allah. Here we are reading Nasrullah. So some help from Allah as opposed to the help of Allah. What's the difference? When you say Nasrum min Allah in, in rhetoric, in Balagha, they say this is Tab'id. This is distancing two words from each other. What that means is you're hoping for some help to come. The believers are hoping some help should come. Allah says, what to speak of some help? I'll give you all the help. Nasrullah. So when it came time to giving, Allah gave even greater. It's greater than Nasrum min Allah. Nasrullah is more. Rasulullah is more. But when they were hoping for, they were hoping for some. And Allah Azza wa Jal gave them even more. SubhanAllah. So this is a gift from Allah Azza wa Jal. Now let's talk a little bit about the word <coughs> Al-Fat. <coughs> Another word used for victory in the Quran besides Fat is Avfara. That's also used in Surah Muhammad. But here literally, Fat means to, you know, Fatah in Arabic means to open. It's also used for victory. <coughs> but when it's used for victory, it's used for a special kind of victory that makes it clear who the victor is and who the loser is. You know, sometimes there's a very close match. You know, it could go either way and it barely, you barely won. That's not Fatah. Fatah is when you won decisively. The matter has been completely opened and cleared up. There is no confusion who won and who lost. And especially the people who lost are clear that they lost. You ever seen this nowadays, especially in politics? The guy loses the election and says, I didn't lose. Recount it. <laughs> right? That's not Fatah then. You know what that is? That's barely winning. Maybe Zafar, but it's not Fatah. Fatah is absolutely, abundantly clear. The victor, the winner knows he won, and the loser knows he lost. It's very, very clear. That's the kind of help that Allah Azza wa Jal sends. إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ Now, here also, we have to explore the, this word in some depth. And here we come to a very important, a very difficult concept actually. Allah Azza wa Jal told the Messenger وسلم, at the occasion of Hudaybiyah. At the occasion of Hudaybiyah. That's called Surah Al-Fatih, by the way. The Surah Al-Fatih deals with Hudaybiyah. In the very beginning of that Surah, Allah Azza wa Jalla says, "Inna fatahna laka 
فَتْحَمُّبِينَ No doubt we have given you an open, clear, manifest, unconfused victory. This victory is absolutely clear. This Allah said at the occasion of what? Hudaybiyah. But if you look at the treaty of Hudaybiyah, you find something interesting. In Hudaybiyah, a lot of the, the points in the treaty are not in the favor of the Muslims. They're against them. If somebody from Makkah escapes and makes their way to Medina, what are you supposed to do? According to Hudaybiyah. Send it back. Can you go make Hajj this year? The Sahaba came in Ihram. They brought their sacrificial animals. They didn't just take a flight from Makkah to Medina to Makkah. They walked it, right? It's a long, difficult journey. They get there and after this treaty, can they make Hajj this year or no? Go back. Take your Ihram off. None of this seems like a victory. By the way, it's so difficult. The Sahaba were so frustrated that Allah Azza wa Jal had to... You know, there's one thing, to, you know, the Messenger is trying to calm them down. But it seems even that wasn't enough. When the Messenger came and gave them the news about the treaty, Umar bin al-Khattab snapped. He, snapped. he regretted that for the rest of his life, by the way. Why should we back down? We have the truth. The Messenger commanded the people to take the ihram off, to shave their head. They wouldn't do so. And then of course he gets the advice from his spouse, you know, radiallahu anha, the mother of the believers. But besides that, how then did the Sahaba calm down? Allah told us in Surah Al-Fatih. فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَىٰ رَسُولِهِ And then also on the mu'mineen later on. He sent his tranquility, Allah sent the tranquility upon his messenger and upon the believers. The believers' hearts were so disturbed, the only thing that would have calmed them down is tranquility that came directly from Allah Azza wa Jalla. It was that frustrating an occasion. But in that frustrating occasion, Allah calls it what? A victory. And not just a victory, you know, Fathan qalilan, saghiran. No, mubinan. Open, clear, un uncompromised victory. So everybody sees this as a defeat, and Allah sees it as a victory. And this is incredible. This is incredible. If you look at it from a political science point of view, you'll, you'll learn something amazing. And I, I probably won't be able to finish dars on the surah today, but I do want to get this point across to you folks very, very clearly. There are two kinds of fath in the Qur'an. There's the fath of Hudaybiyah, and then there's the fath of Makkah. And we have to understand the relationship between these two. I'm going to speak to you a little bit out of the box. I will not quote scholars and stuff like that, just to get this point across. So, so you understand these things in a little bit more depth, inshaAllah ta'ala. You see, when the messenger began his cause, when he was given the, the message and he started his cause, he call, started calling people to La ilaha illallah, and people started believing, slowly, little by little, the larger society saw them as strange. They saw them as a weird group that is trying to do things differently from everyone else. You see, in psychology we learn, you know what abnormal behavior is? What's the definition of abnormal psychological behavior in psychology? You know what it is? The, the definition is, if someone does something nobody else is doing, they must be abnormal. That's the definition. So if everybody's talking in English and some guy starts talking to you in Chinese out of nowhere and doesn't stop, that's considered abnormal behavior. Every car is going this way, one guy wants to go that way, clearly abnormal behavior, right? So abnormal behavior is you do something that nobody else is doing. That's their definition. By that definition, do the Quraysh think that the Sahaba and the, believe, the Messenger and the Sahaba are engaged in abnormal behavior? Sure. They're doing something nobody else is doing. And especially in the beginning, one or two people as opposed to an entire city, of course they'll be considered. And you know, it's only understandable from the Kafir's point of view, they call them insane. They call them possessed, they call them disturbed. Then they started calling them a cult. They're gonna cut you off from your family. That's what cults do, right? They take you away from your family and you become a, 
you know, a thing by yourself, cut off from society. These are the kinds of allegations they made against the Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But the Sahaba keep keep kept at it, and they kept at it, and they kept at it, and they grew and they grew and they grew. When they grew, then you don't just call them crazy anymore. You got to come up with something else. Now these are these guys are too big. Now they're becoming a threat. Now they're considered a threat. They're dangerous. They're dangerous. We have to get, you know, we have to physically attack them. We have to get rid of them from our city. We have to persecute them because they are causing disruption in the society. So instead of just, you know, going off on the offensive against them by character assassination, now you go further and you start calling them a threat. In modern terms, you can call them a, a dangerous group, right? Or a terrorist group or whatever, right? They're, they're that. They're a terror to society. Get rid of them. Fine. And by the way, when there's a government and there's a group, and the government and that group don't get along, then the government never negotiates with them. We're not going to deal with them. We will never deal with them. We will annihilate them or we will get them expelled from this land, but we will not bring them on the table because we don't recognize them. They, would, they were never recognized, right? Now, for the longest time, the Quraysh never recognized the legitimacy of the leadership of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Even when he moved to Medina, they didn't recognize his legitimacy. They fought him. They fought him and they fought him and they fought him. And finally, they realized his strength has grown so much and he is so powerful that he doesn't even have to bring swords and armor and shields to come up to us in Mecca. He came unarmed, barely armed. Just to slaughter the animals, they brought daggers, but they didn't come armed for battle. They came armed to make Hajj. They realized this man and his group has become so strong that we have no choice but to recognize them now as a legitimate entity to be dealt with. And you know how you recognize someone as a legitimate entity? You engage in a treaty with them. You engage in a peace treaty or what kind of, some kind of you know, uh, uh, agreement with them officially. What is Hudaybiyah? It's a treaty, it's an agreement. Well, you know what that means? For the first time, the Quraysh have actually officially recognized the might and the authority of the Messenger of Allah and the believers. They've recognized that authority. And if they recognize that authority, that is a huge political step. Politically speaking, it's a huge step. And by the way, after this step, this news gets out to the entire Arabian Peninsula. Man, even the Quraysh recognize them? They must be something serious. And so what happens in the few years between Hudaybiyah, which is considered by a loss, by human eyes it was considered a loss, but Allah sees something more. In between that and the conquest of Makkah, what happens in between? All these different tribes, all these different tribes, the messenger is going to them and saying, Look, either sign up with us or sign neutrality agreement. Either you'll be neutral or you'll be with us. But sign, sign one of the two. And tribe after tribe after tribe is adding on, it's tacking on with the messenger. And what's happening? The influence of Rasulullah, the influence of Allah's messenger is expanding. And by definition, therefore, the influence of the Quraysh is what? It's shrinking. It's shrinking. No battles necessary. No bloodshed necessary. No arms necessary. Just by that treaty, they signed their own death warrant. That treaty was the end of Quraysh. Until they expanded so much that they came to Hajj with so many numbers that there didn't even have to be a fight. And Makkah is conquered. That Fath led to this Fath. But that was Fathan with Tanween. Inna fatahna laka Fathan, which is less. Here he says, Ida ja'a nasrullahi 
the victory, the final victory. The final decisive victory. That was a great victory, but it wasn't the ultimate victory yet. This one is though. So that one leads to this one. You understand the connection between the two? It's very important that we understand these connections in the Quran. And we understand the strategy that was employed, that was revealed to Allah's Messenger wasallam. You know, but which led to this victory. The victory didn't come at the, at the, as the result of battle, no. The victory came because of Hudaybiyah. And Hudaybiyah in and of itself was a recognition by the Quraysh of the legitimacy of Islam. So that's the, that's the other thing that I wanted to bring to your attention. Now, just about the sequence of إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ Why is Nasrullah first and Fath second? What are some benefits of it? The first thing is that the, uh, the help of Allah is the only reason you get victory. The help of Allah is the only reason you get victory. And the help of Allah is something you can see and something you can't see. Sometimes the help of Allah comes in battle. Sometimes the help of Allah comes by means of giving sakina to the believers when they're supposed to sign a treaty, which looks bad, but it's still the help of that. That's also part of the help of Allah. So the help of Allah has to come first, and as a consequence, you get victory. Some have understood this wow. The wa in between as atuf bayan. What that would mean is when the help of Allah came, i.e., you know, in English we say i.e., that is to say the victory. In other words, there's no difference between the help of Allah and the victory. When the help of Allah comes, that can only mean victory. So Allah is teaching us that there's no difference between the two things. Now just a small historical comment. When Mecca is conquered, first of all, it's the only magnificent conquest of its kind, which does not lead to bloodshed and violence. Any, any people being overcome by another people leads to bloodshed and violence. But there is none. Handful of skirmishes here and there, but overall, there's no bloodshed. Second of all, it is the only incident of its kind where the military doesn't take advantage of its victory and goes and loots homes and executes and this, nothing. Actually, the public address is لا تثريبا عليكم اليوم There's no harm that will fall upon you today. These are the words of Yusuf salam when he overpowered his brothers. And these were the words used by the Messenger salam. There are no parades. There are no dancing in the streets and waving the flag or the tank rolling by and you know, there's no footage of that, there's nothing. The only celebration that's being made is the worship of Allah. That's the only celebration being made. Because you know, when, a, when any other army wins, they give credit to themselves and their nation. When the believers win, who do they give credit to? They give credit to Allah. This is not the time to celebrate, this is the time to thank Allah. Even the Messenger enters in a state of sajda. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the first thing they do is clean up Allah's house. Subhanallah. It's, an, it's a unique victory in the history of the world. It's a unique conquest. We haven't seen any conquest like this in the history of the world. Subhanallah. Just some brief commentary from the Mufassirun. Muhammad In explaining the tafsir, some Mufassirun said, When this victory came to you, O Muhammad, this victory, this help from Allah against those who were enemies to you, Wahum Quraysh, and of course they were the Quraysh, Walfathu Fath Makkah, and the Fath, the opening, refers to the conquest of Makkah. That he aided him against those who fought him out of the Kuffar. And this victory includes the conquest of all lands. Meaning this fath didn't just stop, stop at Makkah. Allah didn't say, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَفَتْحُ مَكَّةِ He didn't say that. He said, and victory and opening. You know what the benefit of that is? That it is not limited to the conquest of Makkah. It goes on. 
and the help of Allah goes on. And it expands and it expands and it expands. And very soon the, 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 the deen of Islam and the flag of Islam isn't even limited to the Arab world. It's expanded even beyond that. And that's part of the fath that Allah initiated subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now we come to the second ayah. The first word in this ayah is ra'ayta. And you saw or you will see depending on which opinion we take that was mentioned in the first part. You know, a couple of surahs ago, Allah said, Inna a'tayna kal We have guaranteed you the abundant good, the ultimate gift, the greatest good. Part of that good to the Messenger that I mentioned earlier on today is that the Messenger is extremely concerned, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that the people will not believe. So before his life is over, this, his worldly life is over, Allah gives him a gift. You will get to see people entering into the religion with your own eyes. Wara'ayta is for Rasulullah. It's a continuation of the second person that's been going on in all of these surahs. In all of these surahs, one way or another, Allah is talking to His Messenger. Even in the previous surah, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ قُلْ Right? Say. It's directly addressing the Messenger By the way, what time is the Aisha prayer here? 9.30? Okay, Let's move on inshaAllah. So, the Messenger is so worried that people won't believe. They will not believe. It regards to specifically the Christians, but other places, even other people. Are you going to kill yourself in grief because of the consequences of their, them not believing? If they don't come to believe, and Allah gives them a gift, you will watch them believe with your own eyes. You will watch them come into Islam with your own eyes. So, ra'ita is a gift from Allah. Because you know, even without ra'ita, the ayah is complete. They will enter into Allah's religion. The ayah is complete, the message is complete. But Allah adds a gift to His Messenger in the word, Ra'ayta. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, Ra'ayta nas. Now, and by the way, this is also part of Fatarda. You know, until you are pleased. And when the Messenger sees that, he is finally pleased. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then a comment about the word nas. And nas bin al Arab that nas, it, you know, of course, refers to the Arabs and other. Wara'ayta nas, you saw the people entering into the religion. The word people I'm referring to. Wa arada bin nas, Maqatil says in Ikrima say, arada bin nas ahlul Yemen, that uh, majority, you know, of the nas that is referring to in this surah is the people of Yemen. Wa dalika li anahu warada min al Yemen, sabu mi'ati insan mu'minin. That is because 700 people at the, at the same time became believers that came from Yemen. Other narrations tell us 40 came at a time, 80 came at a time, 100 came at a time from all other lands. And they would take shahada, they would listen to the message of Islam for a few days. They would spend some time with the Messenger, وسلم, they would spend, and then they would go back and the entire tribe, the entire village, the entire extended family would accept Islam. But Allah Azza wa Jal, here He used the word afwaj also, which is interesting because you know if you say fawjan in multitudes, afwajan fawjan ba'da fawjan. Before this, people used to accept Islam individual, ahadan ba'da ahadin, one after another. You know, fardan ba'da fardin, one person after another person. But now it's group after another group after another group after another group. So it's not one at a time, it's groups at a time. And that's captured inside the word afwaj. Now, previous surah mentioned kafirun. This surah says nas. There's a contrast. And this contrast has to be respected and understood. In the Quran, we should not oversimplify things. We should not look at things and brush over them like reading a newspaper. 
You see the Qur'an when Allah Azza wa talked about the kafirun in the previous surah, this is not everyone who is not Muslim. These are a very specific brand of kuffar which the Messenger وسلم, was specifically commanded to address. Because they had refused to accept the religion and so much so that they would, not, they would not accept his religion and they will never let go of their own and it had become very clear and so clear that it had to be said twice وَلَا أَنْتُمْ عَابِدُونَ مَا أَعْبُدُ Had to be said twice. And at this point the, the doors to da'wah are closed لَكُمْ دِينُكُمْ in other words, you're going to stay in your deen and I'm going to stay in mine. But this surah says, you know, People are entering into the deen of Allah, which means these are not the same kuffar as the previous surah. Those were kuffar that were bent and they were going to remain in kuffar and Allah knew that. Why am I making, the, the, making this point? Because anas, the people around you, don't oversimplify them as simply kuffar. Kafir is a very strong term in the Qur'an. It's used for the adamant refuser of Islam. Either it's used for that, the one who's heard the message of Islam, understood it, and then rejects it, because one of the core meaning of kafir is the one who rejects. The other meaning of kafir in the Qur'an is the one who picks up arms against believers. The one who fights a believer is also called kafir. There are two implications in the Qur'an of kafir. Now to oversimplify and say, you know, I was, to, I was having lunch with my kafir neighbor, and he said, you know, it's not, it's not a healthy attitude. It's not a healthy attitude. And you know, let me tell you why not it's, it's not a healthy attitude. Allah said about the kafir, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا سَوَاءٌ عَلَيْهِمْ أَأَنذَرْتَهُمْ أَمْ لَمْ تُنذِرْهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ There is no doubt about it, those who have done kufr, whether you, sallallahu alayhi wa you warn them or you don't warn them, they will not believe. Allah tells us that the kufar are so stuck that even if the best da'i on the face of this earth, Muhammad was trying to warn them, or he didn't even bother, it wouldn't make a difference, they will not come to Iman. Is this all people? Doesn't make any sense to accept that as all, all people. It doesn't make any sense. It's a gross oversimplification. You know, for fiqh reasons, and for other, in other discourse, maybe you can use the word kafir loosely. But when it comes to Quranic studies, you have to be very careful. The word has a very strong particular connotation and cannot be oversimplified. And if you do, it leads to very serious misunderstandings and misgivings about the religion. Because if that was true, nobody would ever accept Islam. Because Allah said they're not going to believe. <laughs> there would be no point of da'wah, that would be done. So the word, the kuffar are there, but then in this surah, وَرَأَيْتَ nas يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ People are entering into the religion. And Allah left the word people open. So much so that even people in Mecca, people in Mecca, Mecca is the city where the messenger spent 10 years. Is it possible still? Maybe somebody, you know, not everybody fought the messenger. Some guys running his grocery store on the side, he doesn't care what's going on over there, he just minds his own business, never heard the message. Maybe somebody came to him one time, he didn't take it seriously. Right? But after Mecca is conquered in Surah At-Tawbah, Allah tells us, وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ مِّنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ اسْتَجَارَكَ فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ That if uh, any of the believers, or rather any of the mushrikun come to you, at Mecca being conquered, man, this is, the 20 years now have gone by, if still any of the mushrikun come to you, and they want to, you know, they want to spend some time learning about Islam, give him permission until he gets to hear Allah's word, then go, let him go to a safe place and think about it for himself. Subhanallah. And even then he didn't use kafirin. He said, They're doing shirk. But kafir is something other than mushrik. They're two different things. They, the, the people around you may be doing shirk. 
They may be mushrik, but calling them kafir is something else. It's something far more serious. So I hope that point gets across to all of us, inshallah ta'ala. Now, some really interesting and unique commentary. I found it fascinating actually that some of our uh, mufassirun had said about this ayah. فَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنِ الدِّينِ الْحَقِّ وَبَقِيَ عَلَى الْكُفْرِ فَكَأَنَّهُ لَيْسَ بِإِنسَانِ The ayah is saying that the people, you know, nas, the Arabic word nas, is associated with the word insan. And insan by definition is the one who possesses intellect. As opposed to hayawan, as opposed to the dawab, the beast, the animal. So the ayah says basically that the people entered the religion of Islam, the, 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 the deen of Allah. So the Mufassirun are saying, it is as though Allah is saying that those who didn't enter the religion of Islam aren't human. They're a bunch of animals. Because if you were, you know, in, in Punjabi say, Bande da Butar, right? If you, were, if you were insan, then you entered Islam. But after all of this, you still remained on kufr, then you shouldn't even be called part of Nas. You shouldn't even be called people. And فَهَذَا مَا أَرَادَ عِنْدَمَا قَالْ أُولَٰئِكَ كَالْأَنْعَامِ those people are like cattle, they're even worse than animals. They're even worse. <laughs> right? SubhanAllah. So the word nas here being anybody who still has, has humanity left, at this point they accepted Islam. This is the other important thing. These people just entered Islam. They weren't sahaba, they didn't fight battles, they just came into Islam. So the question asked is, how did they, how did they deserve such a huge compliment from Allah? Allah mentioned his nasr and then he mentioned these people. Just the fact that these people are mentioned is a huge honor. It's a huge honor. So the question was asked, <coughs> unlike the sahaba who fought and made hijrah and spent in the path of Allah, these people didn't make any sacrifice. So how come Allah is giving them such a huge compliment and making them so honored that he mentioned them in the surah of victory? فَقُلْنَا هَذَا فِيهِ إِشَارَةِ إِلَى سِعَةِ رَحْمَةِ In this, is, an, is a hint, it's a clue as to the vastness of Allah's mercy. SubhanAllah. That the slave of Allah can live his entire life in, in disobedience, live his entire life in kufr, even live his entire living in kufr is bad enough, live his entire life opposing the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu I mean, you can't think of a higher crime. But even after all of that, if he accepts Iman, Allah takes it like, oh, the whole thing is clean slate. Everything's gone. No, there's nothing bad about it. SubhanAllah. And so Allah even comes, this is alluding to the, the great uh, you know, mercy of Allah Azza wa Then they entered, very interesting that Allah said this, very powerful too, and something to carefully think about. Allah didn't say they came to believe. فَسَيُؤْمِنُونَ أو يُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ No. أو بِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ No. Yadhuluna, they entered, they came entering into the religion of Allah, into the deen of Allah. Now, there's a difference, this is basically what ulama comment is, فَأَسْلَمُوا, they accepted Islam. But accepting Islam is not the same as having what? Iman. The Sahaba have tested and proven their Iman. But these people have accepted Islam, they're coming in multitudes. The entire family is accepting Islam, some cousin like, what, what you guys doing? We're converting. Alright, let me come too. So they're jumping in, multitudes, even Allah says afwajan, you know, fardan, if you come individually, you thought about it yourself, you looked at the evidences yourself, you discussed it yourself, but if you come as a group, did the, everybody in the group think about it? No, not necessarily, you just came in, hey, everybody, we're, we're accepting Islam, and that's how it worked back in the day. We're accepting Islam, alright, let's go, 
How do we do that? La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, everybody's done. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they came in, not necessarily by istidlal, <coughs> but bit taqlid. Like some sahaba even commented, just entered quickly into Islam. So Allah did not make a comment about the state of their hearts. And this is important. This is very important. That Allah Azza wa Jal mentions the outward victory of Islam. Because having Iman is inside, but Islam is what? It's outside. And this surah, half of it is about what's going on on the outside. But the other half of it, the, the rest of it, what we're going to see, is about what's going on inside. فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْهُ إِنَّهُ كَانَ تَوَّابًا إِسْتِغْفَارْ حَمْدِ تَسْبِيحْ Tawbah. Where are those things happening? They're happening inside. So this surah is giving us two pictures, two sides of the same coin. SubhanAllah, the, the eloquence of this surah. Now we're going to read something in regards to this that is narrated by Al-Hasan. I'll just read the Arabic and translate for you. لَمَّا فَتَحَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ مَكَّةَ أَقْبَلَتِ الْعَرَبَ بَعْضُهَا عَلَىٰ بَعْضٍ That when the Messenger والسلام, uh, was given victory of Mecca, the Arabs, groups after others, started accepting Islam. فَقَالُوا So they said, إِذَا ظَفَرَ بِأَهْلِ الْحَرَمِ وَجَبَ أَنْ يَكُونَ عَلَىٰ الْحَقِّ This is important. The Arabs would say, all these neighboring tribes would say, well, if he was given victory over the Haram, it's mandatory that he must be the messenger. Their mentality was, if he has been able to conquer Mecca, that must mean that he's right. Because God, Allah would not allow anyone to conquer Mecca except if they are right. Why not? Because they have seen what before. When the army of the elephants came, did Allah keep, let them come? No, Allah didn't let the army of elephants come, but Allah let Muhammad come, وسلم, which means Muhammad must be right. So their logic was that because he won, because he was given victory, that's why we're accepting Islam. This is narrated by Hassan anhu. And everyone who intended harm against Quraysh has always been defeated. And after they realized this, they started entering groups after groups after groups into Islam without putting up a single fight because they saw unanimously the value of the Kaaba. And so since Muhammad has become the custodian of the Kaaba, they accepted his religion. This also meant, uh, some ulama have commented about this saying that this is not a healthy attitude. It's, I mean, it's great that they said, oh, he's taking care of the Kaaba, he must be right. But he's not right because he's got victory over the Kaaba. He's, he's been right before he got victory over the Kaaba too. So their rationale was something based on their own culture and tradition. <coughs> Which further justifies why Allah didn't just call it Iman. At this time, it's only what still? It's still Islam. Iman has not yet entered into your hearts yet. So, this... Is this is important because the Messenger gave Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam a prediction. عن جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنه أنه بكى ذات يوم he was making he was crying جابر بن عبد الله was crying one day فقيل له it was said to him ما يبكيك what is making you cry فقال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم then he said I heard the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم say دخل الناس في دين الله أفواجا People have entered into the religion of Allah in multitude after multitude. And they will leave it also in multitudes. What, he, what the Messenger is referring to is people like Musaylab ibn al-Kadhab. He's referring to these, these movements of these murtaddeen that took many with them. These guys came into Islam without thinking much about it and they left without thinking much about it. So this was, you know, this is what happens. When you get into something without coming in seriously, then you don't realize what it takes to stick to it. And this is why 
<coughs> it is so important for all Muslims to realize the difference between Islam handed down generation after generation, just as a family thing, and Islam handed down as a conviction that burns in your heart. If Islam makes its way into your heart, then there's no way it's coming out. There's no way. But if Islam was just handed down to you one generation after another, and you never really cared for it, and it wasn't given to you in a way that penetrates into your heart, you're just Muslim because your parents are Muslim. You're just praying because your parents prayed one time. That's it. That's the only Islam you have. Then you know what Allah says about that kind of people? He says, Those who were given the book in inheritance after them. So they were believers, and after them, they were people who inherited. They just got it as viratha. Then they are in doubt about it. They're in doubt about it. That puts others in doubt too. They're in, shaka, they're in doubt about their religion. This is why I say that we should never take the Islam of our children for granted. Never. We should never take the Islam of our kids for granted. You know, I met a, I was traveling, uh, I was in Nevada, and I met a 93-year-old guy. He was an Eastern European fellow. He was with his wife, they were at a Qur'an conference. And you know, white couple, they clearly didn't look like they belonged. They were looking around, kind of tourists, you know. So I sat next to them and started talking to them. So he says, As-salamu alaykum. I was like, wa alaykum salam. Where are you folks from? He goes, we're from Ohio. It's like, wow, you're a long way from Ohio. Yeah, we've been doing a road trip. So we start talking. You know what he, tell, he tells me? He was doing a, uh, his white, typical white family living in Ohio. He was doing a study of his family tree. He was looking up his ancestry. You know what he found out? His great, great, great grandfather was Syrian. And he was Muslim. So because of that, he starts looking into Islam. Because his great great somebody had moved to Europe and they lost their religion after generations and he was raised, you know, uh, Christian Orthodox, uh, actually uh, Catholic, Greek Orthodox. So he starts looking into Islam and accepts Islam and he says, I have two reasons. I want to revive the legacy of my father and it's, it's pretty clearly the truth. But he didn't take, you know, you can't take your previous generations for granted. There were people that were Muslim and never may have never thought that one day their children will be Christian or Jews or atheist or agnostic or whatever, self-proclaimed atheist. They, they never imagined that would be the case. But that did happen over time. That did, and it happens to other religions, don't think it doesn't happen to us. There are, there are Catholic churches in New York City, you know, that are nightclubs now. They used to be Catholic churches. They're turned into nightclubs. Because there's nobody filling those churches. And that's the Christian community. They're in much more numbers. <laughs> and they, didn't, they weren't able to keep their future generations. We have to be serious about this stuff. Ca entering into the deen casually The messenger warns They came easily They came in multitudes They left in multitudes We have to come in with conviction And we have to stick to it Inshallah ta'ala Nonetheless A great victory of Islam Allah Azza wa Jal talks about In this surah May Allah Azza wa Jal protect us from that Allah, the, You know Ash-Shawkani uh, Rahimahullah After this narration He said Na'udhu billahi min as-sal ba'da al-ata We seek Allah's refuge From him taking it away After he's given it to us This deen so finally, the last ayah, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْهُ I will discuss this ayah in two ways. One, I will talk about this ayah cut off from what has come before, and at the end, inshallah, I'll tie it together because that's a heavy lesson. Probably I'll have to take time after I shout from you if that's okay with everybody, inshallah. <coughs> first things first. فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ A few things in this ayah. Then declare the perfection of your master, by doing praise of him and seek his forgiveness 
He has always been one to accept repentance, no doubt. <coughs> the first comment we make about the remarkable language of this ayah <coughs> is akhara dhikral istighfar an tasbih wa tahmid. Allah mentioned istighfar at the end. He mentioned tasbih first, fasabih. Then he mentioned hamd, bihamdi rabbika. Then he mentioned istighfar, wastaghfirhu. So istighfar is at the end. In it, there's a great lesson to learn for those who want to make istighfar. If you want to ask Allah for forgiveness, that is something you want. Before you ask Allah for what you want, you give Him first what He deserves. You do hamd first, you do tasbih first. Then you ask Allah for what you want. This is the way of getting dua accepted. Allah is teaching us that in the sequence of the ayah. Istighfar could have been first. But istighfar is for you. Hamd is for Allah. Hamd is for Allah. Subhanallah. So fasabih bihamdi rabbika wastaghfirhu. Then innahu kana tawaba. So anyhow, so that's the first thing. The second is, this ayah is a tafsir of another ayah. Allah Azza wa Jal had told His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam وَعْبُدْ رَبَّكْ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ Enslave yourself to your master until the conviction, the final, the death, death basically comes. Enslave yourself. What is the means to do ibadah? فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرُهُ These are the two components of ibadah. On the one hand, it is declaring Allah's perfection. On the other, it is acknowledging your own fault. This is the two parts of ibadah. In any ibadah, we're going to do two, one of two things. Either we'll be praising Allah or we'll be acknowledging our mistakes. Praising Allah is covered in sabih bihamdi rabbik. Acknowledging our mistakes is covered in what? Wastaghfiru. In the two, all of ibadah is covered. It basically, all of ibadah is one of these two things. The word sabih, the word sabih, which means to declare perfection, comes from sabaha to swim, to float. When you put something in water and it floats. Clouds, you know, they also do tasbih in the sense that they float in the air. Birds can be said to have been, been doing tasbih if they're gliding. The word tasbih used for Allah implies say about Allah what is perf what, it, what declares His perfection and maintain that perfection. Don't let it come down. Maintain the perfection of Allah. That is what tasbih means. But tasbih, the word includes declaring him free from fault in terms of his self, his attributes, the things he says, and the things that he does. In everything. Don't say anything inappropriate about Allah. Don't say anything inappropriate about the attributes of Allah. This is the kind of thing. Tasbih is what, the, what Bani Israel, some members of Bani Israel failed in. They said about Allah, Yadullahi maghlula. Allah's hands are tied. They said about Allah Azza wa Jal, Inna Allah faqeer wa nahnu aghniya. Allah is in need, we don't need. We're free of need. Allah. They said those things about Allah Azza wa Jal negating his tasbih. But Allah Azza wa Jal tells us to maintain, and he tells his messenger والسلام, to maintain his perfection. Some have said, Anna al murad bit tasbih as salah. That in this surah, when Allah commands his messenger to declare Allah's perfection, what he means by that is to make salah. وَارِدْ فِي الْقُرْآنِ بِمَعْنَ الصَّلَاةِ Because this wording has come in the Qur'an in the meaning of salah. Where? فَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ حِينَ تُمْسُونَ وَحِينَ تُصْبِحُونَ Declare Allah's perfection in the evenings and also in the mornings. What does that mean? Isha prayer, Fajr prayer. Also Allah says, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ قَبْلَ طُلُوعِ الشَّمْسِ Declare the perfection of your master before the sun comes up. What is that referring to? The Fajr prayer. So this, this wording may directly be a reference to Salah. What we're learning then is the best way to declare Allah's perfection and the best way to, to, to praise Him and the best way to ask Him for forgiveness is what? Is Salah. 
That's what we're learning because of that. رَوَتْ عَائِشَةُ كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ بَعْدَ نُزُولِ هَذِهِ السُّورَةِ يُكَثِّرْ أَنْ يَقُولْ It is narrated by Aisha رضي الله عنها that the Messenger وسلم, after the surah came down, he used to make a lot of this dhikr. Which dhikr? Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdik, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. He used to start doing this a lot more when this surah came down. Because the surah said, make tasbih, make istighfar. So he started doing lot more, lots more of it. وَقَالَتْ أَيْضًا كَانَ الرَّسُولُ يَقُولْ كَثِيرًا فِي رُكُوعِهِ That he used to do a lot of this in his ruku' especially. Subhanak Allah, Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdik, Allahumma ghfirli. So he added that in his ruku'ah. وَعَنْهَا أَيْضًا كَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ فِي آخِرِ أَمْرِهِ لَا يَقُومْ وَلَا يَقْعُدْ وَلَا يَذْهَبْ وَلَا يَجِي إِلَّا قَالْ That he would not stand or sit or go or, or come anywhere except that he would say Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. He would constantly say Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. فَقُلْتْ So I said, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ إِنَّكَ تُكَثِّرْ مِنْ قَوْلَةِ سُبْحَانِ اللَّهِ wa bihamdihi. You are increasing a lot of this dhikr. You're saying it all the time. That's what she said radiallahu anha. So he says, قَالَ إِنِّي أُمِرْتُ بِهَا I was commanded to do so. وَقَرَأَ And he recited, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ so he recited this surah because he says, I make a lot of this dhikr, subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanallah wa bihamdihi, all the time because he says, I was, I was told to do so by Allah in this surah. وعن ابن مسعود ابن مسعود narrates لما نزلت هذه السورة كان عليه عليه السلام يكثر أن يقول and he also narrates that he used to say a lot of what سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اللهم اغفر لي إنك أنت التواب الغفور this is the ذكر narrated by ابن مسعود رضي الله تعالى عنهما in regards to this ayah finally before we take a break for the salah inshallah تعالى tying this ayah to a couple of other things just tying it to what came before a little bit now the first thing to note here is Allah Azza wa Jal gave victory and cleansed the house of Allah. He had the house of Allah cleansed and he had Makkah purified. So finally, Annal Masajida Lillah, that the Masajid belonged to Allah. And of course, of all the Masajid, the one that belongs most to Allah, the house of Allah built, that, that is the basis for which all the other Masajids are built, are now only for Allah. Now that that house is pure, now is the best time to make tasbih. Now is the best time to make tasbih. That's the first thing. Then Allah says, وَلَا ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ In another place in the Quran, He says, وَلَا ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ And for sure, the remembrance of Allah is greater. What we're learning is, the victory that Allah gave is great. People entering into the religion is great. But the remembrance of Allah is still greater. At the end of all of this, the greatest thing is, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرُ SubhanAllah. So that is even greater than the rest. Now, we're going to get a little bit deeper into the study of فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ Rabbik, But I don't want to break that discussion. So I'll give you an early break for the Isha' prayer and tie this up at the end, inshallah. Because we have to talk a lot about the relationship between sabbih and bihamdi. The two words, how they come together in the Qur'an. And what meanings and what benefits it has for us, inshallah ta'ala. So at this, we'll take a break. بَارَكَ اللَّهُ لِي وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقُرْآنِ الْحَكِيمِ وَنَفَعْنِي وَإِيَّاكُمْ بِالْآيَاتِ وَالذِّكْرِ ال